2: It's the Collectors Club with Bryce, Michael, and I. I know a story of high strangeness or two.
1: (laughs) Haha. Let's do this! Hey everybody, welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. Not always limited to Bigfoot, but today's kind of a Bigfoot-centric episode. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host... Bryce Johnson. And our super producer...
2: Riley Bray.
1: We are back after a very brief hiatus. We hope you all enjoyed our retrospective BCC Classics Week. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been with us for a long time, welcome back. We have a show today that will hopefully become an instant classic. We have a terrific guest this week. We're going to jump right into it. We're going to bring him right in. He's one of the biggest internet personalities of all time. You may have watched him play games on YouTube or listened to him on the hit podcast Distractable. Club scouts of all timelines, please welcome to the show, Markiplier.
3: Hello. It's I'm, me. See, Man, right out of the... He's already winning the sexy yeah. voice thing. Yeah, right Bam. out
1: of the gate, just putting our current <laughs> mellifluous voice, Riley Bray to shame. Sorry, Riley.
2: <laughs> That's warranted. I get it. That's the no, like, no, Mickey thing. Uh, uh, I don't, don't
0: aim to compete in that department. It's not it's, it's all you.
2: Are you, now come on? Are you laying in it on? It's just... all you. you you, you win it. It's okay. No no, 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 don't no, worry about it. I know you it's just all you.
1: over the course of the episode just gets deeper and deeper, both of you guys. <laughs> what do you mean i
2: don't know achieve some binaural beats between our voices
1: <laughs> we should have you voice uh the bigfoot on our opening intro you would like do way oh. better than i would uh yeah. mark w- welcome to the show how are you man i'm good i'm good thanks for having me on board oh man thanks for being here i gotta tell you i told my nephew last night he's 18 that you're on the show it's the first time he's texted me back in weeks. <laughs> That's
0: sad. That's so sad. Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: I realize yeah. I'm a square uncle and it's not that he doesn't check his phone. It's just, he doesn't give a shit. Unless you're coming on my podcast and he was like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> oh,
0: wow! Well. I so, hope to not disappoint at that high praise.
1: I know. I'm telling you, uh, you got a you got to you got a fan in Lawrence Kansas that uh, his, his respect for his uncle depends on how engaged you are in this episode. So we got to
0: OK, well, I am so response. engaged. What's their name?
1: Uh, his name is Thomas.
0: Thomas, that's my brother's name. You are cool as my brother is cool. There you go.
1: I love it. Thank you. You just bought yeah, me. My brother
0: is not very cool. Uh, I mean, no, uh, that sounds like a <laughs> shitty thing to say about my own I brother. Mean, but uh,
1: no, my brother's very cool. I think this is the platform to talk about how uncool your your brother is for sure. He's so <laughs> cool. Oh, man. Now that's out there
0: forever now
1: well i can text your brother and tell him you're on the show and maybe he'll he'll think that's cool i'm not sure okay All right, um right. we recently uh, or i i had to send it over to bryce as well but i checked out you're no stranger to bigfoot in fact you've been hunting bigfoot it's it appears lately
0: yes actually by myself i've been hunting bigfoot yes <laughs> <laughs> and posting videos what better way to do it that's awesome i know right just me bigfoot in the woods alone one gun one camera all you need
1: we're talking about this video game that i had no clue existed because i'm not on steam and now i'm mm. i'm upset because now i have to i have to get a gaming pc to play this This a game called bigfoot that you have posted and you're actually filming yourself in night vision which i really appreciate uh as an attention to detail
0: <laughs> yeah thank you I, I thought it was just the only touch that fit because if I'm on my own, I've been playing horror games for a long time. For those of you who don't know, it's it's a game. It's not real. you know. Um, I'm not saying Bigfoot isn't real. I'm saying this game is not a real situation in which you hunt Bigfoot. Um, but it, it felt only fitting to do it with night vision to embrace that kind of like trail cam aesthetic uh, yeah. that the game sometimes has. And in in fact, in the game, you do set up your own trail cams. To try to monitor Bigfoot's movements, you Man. use a lot of like drone tech, and then you get a lot of bullets, I mean, a lot of guns, and you just start shooting Bigfoot as
3: hard and fast as you can. This is basically Expedition Bigfoot without the uh, without the guns and ammunition, Mark. This is what I do for a living. Yeah, cool, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you got to come and- out with us one night. Yeah,
0: <laughs> cool. Yeah. I would love to. Honestly, I would.
1: What tactics have you have you picked up for? And we should say that for for those of you out there that are listening that are upset by this, Bigfoot is a terrifying killer in this game. He's not yeah, a nice guy. In this guy. game,
0: right? Yeah, Bigfoot is like ripping bodies apart in this game. <laughs> like clearly up to no good. If there's a good Bigfoot and a bad Bigfoot, this is the bad
3: Bigfoot. Right. Right. Yeah. Bad, yeah. He deserved. He had it coming, man. Mm-hmm. What
1: What have you learned? about hunting Bigfoot on these night ventures that you've been going on. What what should we know? What are good tricks for alluring him, trapping him, and potentially killing an evil Bigfoot?
0: Well, the difference between evil Bigfoot and good Bigfoot is that evil Bigfoot wants to be found. And more specifically, evil Bigfoot wants to find you. You don't need to do a goddamn thing. Right. Evil Bigfoot (laughs) comes to you, but you aren't going to leave
3: the woods to tell anybody about it. We've talked about this. There's, like, bad people in society, so why wouldn't there be bad Bigfoots uh, within the group? Yeah, and to be honest, probably they are
0: justified in being pissed off as well if so many people are coming to steal their feet and whatnot. Um, Fair enough. But at the same time, it's like, with with bad Bigfoot, you know, you really don't have to do a lot. You're going into their home, and it's kind of understandable. They, they, they don't want you there, so why shouldn't they be pissed?
1: A surprising amount of buildings... And cabins have been constructed on his land without being interrupted.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Small detail. Small detail. Uh, he, he might be swooping in. I, I don't know. Look, what? what I just showed up on the scene. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
3: I, I, I always like the uh, the Bigfoot stories where they're like roaming around a dumpster outside an apartment building, and like multiple people see it. I, you know, I, there's lots of uh, edifice and buildings nearby Bigfoot encounters, Michael.
1: That's that's what we have in Los Angeles: dumpster Bigfoot.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: is that a real thing
1: <laughs> no but i'm just picturing like hanging out in hollywood he'd be like an alleyway dumpster bigfoot probably
0: uh, i think mm-hmm. that just might be a dude like a very <laughs> hairy dude <laughs> yeah, my sure. my
3: wife has a bigfoot is just a meth head theory and it's and it's a pretty good one uh maybe worth exploring it another time
0: I mean, I would not be shocked. okay, so like I'm I'm like not a skeptic. I think that at some point, you know, there's entirely plausible that there was some divergent species in evolution uh, you know that w- made large primate type creatures. It's totally mm. plausible that this existed at some point. It's also totally plausible that we as humans killed the shit out of that branch of evolution. Mm. Um, Yeah, I would not be surprised at that. But at the same time, what's to say uh, there's some guy with gargantuanism that had like mental deficiencies and he was out in the woods uh, like because of like some genetic errors in his uh, like like birth or whatever his his genetic makeup wasn't quite right. It made him enormous, very hairy and very angry, um, but also shunned away from society. And this could have been at any point in time. And then this eight foot humanoid creature was roaming around the woods and just was persecuted. You know,
1: it's a sad story. Mark, you could not set me up better for the story of High Strangers that we're going to get to later Seriously, in this episode. That's what, I, are, that's what I'm here
0: for. Yeah,
1: I mean, <laughs> you are a professional internet personality, and we really appreciate it.
0: Is it really? Did I really set you up? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is great. This is all exactly right, cool. what we're going to be talking about later. Um, And I can't wait to unpack exactly what you said and maybe introduce some new ideas. Mark, I got to ask you, we ask all of our guests, what is your personal paranormal history? Where how long have you gotten it have you been into bigfoot ghosts ufos have you ever encountered anything that you cannot explain
0: um i'll give you the cliff notes right so i'm not a believer in ghosts i think there's an explanation for most things um but i am kind of this believer that we don't know as much as we think we know um aliens who knows there could be does it really matter if they have the technology to destroy us and they haven't then okay i guess we're still living maybe we're interesting enough to watch i don't know the idea Mm. that we're alone in the universe is absurd the universe is too big of course there would be life somewhere else whether or not they can reach us is really the question but as far as my day-to-day life goes i'm not spending a lot of brain power trying to like ponder that or worrying about it i have other worries um, when it comes to things like Bigfoot, I think I already said, like, it's entirely possible. Gen- like, biology is weird. Evolution is weird. Anything <laughs> yep. could have happened. Didn't they just recently find evidence that Loch Ness, the Loch Ness monster might have been real at some point? They found, like, bones down there or something like that? Uh,
1: you're, you know what? You're reporting the news to us. The last time we checked in on Loch Ness, they had done, like, an eDNA study where they do environmental DNA. This is stuff that like Bryce has gone into on expedition Bigfoot, like look, finding like, uh, stuff around supposed Bigfoot nests. But basically they took a bunch of like material from the lake, studied all the DNA in it, and they found no sign of any DNA that they couldn't identify. And they think that like Loch Ness monster might've been a, like might be a giant eel or a school of (laughs) eels. It's swimming around in a mass, like an eel King, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But but they may have found, you know, bones like dinosaur bones at the bottom of the lake. Something lived, you know, I, I don't know when the glaciers melted in accordance to when, you know, a plesiosaur might be swimming around there. But uh, to, to, be to be your earlier point,
3: out. Mark they actually just found some new human remains that archaeologists are kind of scratching their head about because, you know, as we're learning, this sort of ancestral tree of ours isn't linear like we see in those old history photos where the chimpanzee is slowly walking upright into man. That's not Mm. correct now. Now we know for a fact that multiple species... Of, uh, of homo sapien have developed simultaneously across this globe and we're only now just starting to piece together what our real ancestral tree should look like and we're missing so many branches oh yeah yeah probably because we killed them
0: like yep. i would not <laughs> that is yep. my prevailing theory we as humans used our big dumb brains and we killed everything else out there. And then we stand a thousand years later, or a few thousand years later, or however many, not a few thousand, hundreds of thousands of years later. Yeah. Two thousand. Like, oh, are we alone? Oh, where are <laughs> we are girl? now. As we wash the blood from our hands, like, oh, why are we so alone?
1: <laughs> That's good. why yeah,
0: is like it just it. us.
2: That's a I mean, great image. yeah.
1: I mean, if we are, cause we're closely related and even more closely related than we ever thought before, they just discovered a chimpanzees and chimpanzees are like the primate that kills for sport and war yeah. ha- goes to war with other tribes. So That's if right. we're, if we're like that closely related to the nasty primates, then like, yeah, we killed everybody off. I mean, didn't we kill off the Neanderthal? Isn't that, wasn't I mean, that us?
3: Mm-hmm. we did make the atom bomb you know? yeah, like, yeah exactly it's, what it's like, are we talking about here
0: <laughs> yeah it shouldn't be a surprise we kill ourselves we kill <laughs> yeah like, what's to say like if you see uh, another uh thing that looks kind of like human that the whole idea of the uncanny valley i think bleeds into this mm-hmm. a lot people think that like the uncanny valley effect is because of, like you know to identify corpses and stuff things that look kind of human a lot of cryptid stories come out of this but i think it's also just like If something uh, is of a slightly genetic difference from humans, we are so in tune with human faces that we can probably tell when something's not quite human. Mm. And it makes us feel like off about it. And some people would translate that directly into anger. Me angry. Pick up big rock. Me hit you in head. No more anger. No more weird feeling. I
1: don't want to deal with that. Certainly fear. I mean, that's how I felt when I looked at the jacket cover of Communion by Whitley Strieber, the alien gray when I was a kid nothing terrified oh, yeah. me more than that you know what i mean and the, that's the other you go on the other at, end of the spectrum and look at like alien greys and you're like oh this that mm-hmm. really looks like a human face gone sideways
2: <laughs> yeah but it's interesting though that that idea you're is like it's it's same but not the same and that's like what sets off this weird thing in us where it's like you you see the likeness in it but then that's different and it triggers this weird like the, the uncanny valley that you're
3: yeah. yeah, I think yeah. I think we see I think we see ourselves in in Bigfoot, in the wild man in the woods, and I think we see ourselves in the alien gray, the futuristic intergalactic traveler as well. We we're pulling from both archetypes.
1: Mark, when when does a video game get it right with a face? Get it right. Like when do you know they've done it? Yeah.
0: The thing is, like, photorealism is nearly impossible for anything. So the good thing about games and things like this about the Uncanny Valley is that they're so far removed from accuracy that it doesn't trigger anything. It is really just things that sit in that really, really close spot to realism. It's why when they make fully CG movies um, that look that they claim look photoreal, they still look off because we can mm-hmm. tell it's close. And the
3: closer it gets without being there, the more worrying it becomes.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Ma- yeah, Mark, this that is an important
3: point, point right? for, for those who don't know. Can you talk to us about what the uncanny valley is? Yeah, yeah. So I guess I haven't explained
0: it. So the Uncanny Valley is this idea where there, if you see a graph, you have an X and a Y axis and you have this curved line on it. Uh, as you approach the Y axis, you get farther and farther away from what a human uh, face looks like. And as you progress along the X axis uh, away from the Y axis, you start to get closer to what a human face looks like. There is, like, uh, if I pull up right now, let me look up Uncanny Valley chart so I can not just talk out my ass about this. No, you Um, are doing it. (laughs) If
1: any X-Men pop up just by accident, let me know. I'm a big Uncanny X-Men fan. All right. So uh, you've got like uh,
0: the human likeness is the X axis. The familiarity is the Y axis. So all the way on the left would be the industrial robot, like something that doesn't look even remotely human. At 50 percent, you've got like a stuffed animal, right? Or a Hmm. humanoid robot without like fleshy face, not a latex Mm -hmm. face or like like C-3PO. Yeah, exactly. And then when you get to about 80 to 90%, that's when the graph, instead of going up in terms of familiarity, starts to plummet. There is this literal valley in terms of familiarity as human likeness increases. And it's where you see things like a corpse or like a, a robot that has a too realistic face or a really realistic CG character. It looks scary. Because Mm. it is so close to realness, it puts you off. It's a psychological effect that almost everyone experiences. There are very few people that do not experience this.
1: That's got to be the issue with dolls, right? That's why people are scared of dolls.
0: 100 percent clowns as well they it's because for some people they fall in the uncanny valley they don't look quite human even if they're moving like human it's either something is moving like a human but doesn't look right or yeah. it looks like a human and it's not moving right many the, things can put it in the uncanny valley and then I, as you get over to the right suddenly everything's fine because it looks normal and your brain goes ah, it's normal ah, it's fine I do
1: just want to say that, yes, dolls are empty vessels that demons can possess. So there's also that. But I think it's more, (laughs) I think at first glance, it's the Uncanny Valley thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, Michael. I think this term is so poignant for for stories of high strangeness because we're, uh, you know, Mark. We're so often talking about like how we perceive uh, incredible encounters, whether it's uh, a craft landing in your backyard and seeing a little entity walk out, or or it's seeing a large upright walking hominid uh, moving through the Pacific Northwest. Sometimes our brain doesn't know what it's perceiving, and 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 perhaps, like you said, you know, it's this uncanny valley effect that causes so much. Just I don't know hysteria or trauma or 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 these weird reports that we're getting all over the world.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's it's because people crave familiarity, right? They need to label things. They need to understand things. And the problem is most people are can't understand everything that they're seeing. That's why people jump to conclusions and things. That's why people can do cursory research and come to a conclusion even if they don't have uh, a full understanding. It's it's called uh, that's a different phenomena that's expressed on a graph. (laughs) that has something called the peak Uh, of mount stupid it's the learning the beginner's curve i
1: think it's called the bigfoot collector's club graph
3: (laughs) yeah i think i'm on there
0: (laughs) yeah i forget what the name of this uh, this thing is it's uh oh god man what is the freaking name it has peak of mount stupid and then the valley of despair it's the um not the beginner's curve god i'm so
2: i the dunning kruger effect
1: yes is uh,
0: nice. yes, exactly. I have not
1: heard of this, but I'm worried to look further into it. <laughs>
2: Kruger effect,
1: it's
0: okay, okay. So, X is competence, Y is confidence. Uh, mm. so you know nothing mm. all the way in the left, your confidence is represented by the Y axis low to high when you start anything. You reach the peak of Mount Stupid very quickly because your competence is very low, but your confidence in your ability to do that Uh thing is extremely high because you don't know enough about the entire subject to say anything about where you stand in terms of an expert of that subject. It's like Mm -hmm. if you're going into a PhD program. And you've never been to college before. You can read the summary right, like the basically awesome. you read the, the glossary in the book of like, oh, there's that many subjects. I know theoretical physics. You're at the peak of Mount Stupid. <laughs> you took one semester of psychology. You're at the peak of Mount Stupid. It's only after a lifetime of learning that you start to get out of the valley of despair as you learn more and get to a plateau of sustainability.
3: I, I love this. This is the same idea as the fool is the precursor to the master. In other words, in order to like get good at anything, you have to be willing to be a complete and utter fool. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: 100%. I think I've just built a comfortable, cozy cabin right just not on the peak, but just down the hill from the peak of Mount Stupid. <laughs> I think that's my sweet spot. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. eh, my feet are tired. This is good. I got a nice view. I'm just going hang to out, hang out here for a while.
2: All right, fair enough. I mean, I think what's really interesting though, just after the peak of Mount Stupid, like as you start to gain competence, then it's you, you end up in that next dip. That's the the valley of despair, I guess, where it's like you, you now know enough to know what you don't know. And yeah, that's exactly. that's where you have to basically start from. Yeah, that's Damn. where most people abandon
0: their journey really like, <laughs> like yeah never mind yeah absolutely yeah. i had it when i was uh, like first learning korean and i was like i took a few uh rosetta stone courses and then i flew to korea like all right i'm gonna struggle a little bit but i'll be fine couldn't say a single word to a single person not wow. one word i couldn't do it um and that's when i realized i was in the valley of despair of language learning
1: how long does it take <laughs> you to get out of that valley
0: uh, oh, i don't want to talk about it
1: i wouldn't know i'm not out of it <laughs> got it yeah well you got you're in good company my friend we're right down there yeah, with you yeah. what so uh, even even with all these thoughts on wh- culturally where these things might come from have you ever had an experience that you're like okay i don't know what the fuck just happened
0: yes um i've had a few one of them Kind of like as a kid, I've always had nightmares. Even as an adult, I I have nightmares very frequently, right? So sometimes waking nightmares, I'll wake up and I'll just like still see things in my dream, shadow people, other stuff. I know that's generally a dream and I'm fine with that. When I was a teenager, um, I woke up one night. It was really nothing special. I was maybe like 14, 50. I don't know. But I look at my ceiling and my ceiling like is crawling like there's worms everywhere in the ceiling. And this is actually a common thing. I'm I'm not too disturbed by this, but I get this weird compulsion to get out of my bed, right? It's almost like I am sleepwalking, but I'm aware of it, and it feels like a choice that I have to make. Mm. It's still a choice, but I have to get up. And on the way out, I grab a, a notebook and a pencil, I believe, not a pen, um, and I go out my door. I go down the hallway and I go downstairs. Uh, My bedroom was on the second floor. Um, And I go downstairs. And what I do is the front door is at the bottom of the stairs. I don't go out the front door. I sit down next to the front door looking back at the stairs. And (laughs) I feel like I'm in this weird like fugue state, right? I know I'm there. And I'm looking if, if there's a stairway, if you, if there's a little hallway that kind of goes to the kitchen, you know, if you went down the stairs, you wrap around, you go to the kitchen, kind of like where I'm facing. So I see the stairs and the path to the kitchen. And there's this little archway that goes, separates the path to the kitchen. And I'm looking at it on the ground with the notebook in my hand. And I'm looking at it. I'm not really seeing anything. You know, things are still kind of foggy. And I take my pencil. And I start drawing that archway first. And Mm. my hand is moving without me looking (laughs) down at the paper, right? I'm looking at the archway. And at no point do I remember looking down at what I was drawing, right? I'm looking, I'm drawing, I'm looking, I'm drawing. And I get this growing sense of unease. I don't know what it is. Um, But I eventually finish the drawing and I look down at my notebook. And I had drawn the archway to the kitchen. And in the archway, I drew a shadowy figure. Fuck. (laughs) And as as soon as I looked up from that drawing, (gasps) the shadowy figure was in the archway. No. Oh, my God. And I just stared at it for a few seconds. I shook my head, blinked a bunch, still there. I got up from the floor, went right upstairs, uh, locked my door, laid down on my bed, and just watched the ceiling crawl like worms until I fell back asleep eventually. Fun. Oh I, oh. I, I, wow. To this day, I think about that. It wow. still gives me the creeps. Like, I don't know why. It was just this weird, like, half asleep. I didn't know what was going on. I don't even know if it was real. I don't know if I actually went downstairs, right? I can't yeah. tell you, because I've had these waking nightmares where I feel like I'm up, moving, doing things. But when I check the next day, there was a drawing in my That's notebook.
1: That's what I'm saying. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. you guys, the a drawing, drawing, drawing is there. Ah, yeah, you're It good. happened. <clears throat>
3: But wow. I mean, you're no, that's you're not
1: good. You're you're no, that's but great. no, you're no. <laughs> what I meant by that
3: is you're 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 spot on in analyzing what took place because that that state between the dream world and a waking state is a liminal period. And, you know, I've heard a lot of things, but actually somebody kind of getting up and sort of straddling the line between lucid lucidity and sort of the waking world and going and and sort of using sort of an automatic writing or drawing technique to communicate with something that's obviously trying to communicate with you. That's a, that's fucking the stuff of nightmares, man. I love it. You need to see a therapist. uh, (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I'm good.
1: (laughs) Wait, but have you ever heard of automatic spirit drawing?
0: Um I, there's it's been oh, in, it's been in a few games that I've played. Uh most recently, this one called Mortuary Assistant, where you're you're literally like in a uh in a mortuary, like preparing bodies by embalming them. And there's this drawing mechanic in there. So I, I've heard of it
1: before. That's yeah. that you did wow. that. That's exactly what it is. It's where the higher consciousness, the mind's eye starts drawing what what spiritual presence is there. You know what I mean? And basically I would say that that's what you were doing. And then it wasn't until your mind's eye could 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 craft the the picture. Literally, could you see the, the shadow being in the room? You know, if, if we're going to oh, if we're going into this, you know what I mean? If we're going to commit mm-hmm. commit to this idea, then mm-hmm. then I think that's what that's what happened.
0: You know, it's crazy because those kind of nightmares have followed me like my whole life. When I was a kid, one of the first dreams I ever remember—actually, it might be the first dream I ever remember—is I was in the woods being chased by a guy with a chainsaw, right? This is in the dream. But when I wake up— Every boy's first dream. Yeah, chainsaw (laughs) in the woods. But when I wake up, I look above my bed, and I see the guy is still there. Like, head, arms, chainsaw. I don't remember legs, but I remember waking up like, oh, man, nightmare— and seeing this chainsaw man right there, and I would close my eyes gone, open my eyes, it's there. really, really strange stuff. How long does that last at like when you wake up? Um, I mean, just a few minutes. Uh, uh, other examples that I can remember right now is I one time was uh, I woke up still middle of the night, I looked out my window. this is back when I was at my mom's house, and I saw the moon crashing into the earth. And I was Whoa. like, this must be a dream. I was, I was <laughs> like, this must be a dream. I closed my eyes, opened them again. It was totally fine. I just saw out my window. Closed my eyes, opened them again. Moon has progressed even farther into crashing wow. into tears It was like every time I would blink, it would go between the, like real world dream, real dream, real dream until it just crashed. And I felt like the all the earth like moving like liquid and just like, pff, I, and then I woke up. And I was like, uh, okay, that was strange. Jeez, wow! Man. Many, many, many nightmares for me.
2: You're just seeing like high budget horror films like all the time.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a big one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Mark, have you ever heard about lucid dreaming or anything like that?
0: I have. Yeah, I've tried it a few
3: times. Oh, interesting. Cause so in, in in Robert Wagner's book, Lucid Dreaming, he tells of this story of this boy who was haunted by his nightmares. And he finally learned uh how to become lucid in his dreams. In other words, to realize he was dreaming in the dream state and have total control over his dream space. And he was able to confront his uh his demon, which was a big monster within that dream space and basically give this thing a fucking hug. Look it right in the eyes and give this thing a hug. But but And ever since then it sort of stopped, but uh, I love this idea of being able to sort of engage within the dream space and, and not only just meet whatever's following you or, or coming after you, but um, you know, make, make peace with it too. Robert Wagner also felt that these dream spaces are inhabited by a, a sentient consciousness outside of ourselves. In other words, there's an other that exists within that dream space. Could be.
0: I have no idea. Um, the thing is, like, I've had nightmares for so long that it doesn't really bother me. Uh, I remember the first time I lucid dreamed. Um, I was like, I was very young, like seven or something, and I was I dreamed I was in my house and the front yard, and I was I was able to see through the back door uh, from the front front door, like door to door, or front to back, which isn't necessarily the layout of that house. But I noticed it was raining in the back and it was sunny in the front. And I went as a kid, oh, I'm dreaming. So I ran to the backyard Mm -hmm. in the rain, jumped on the railing, and then leapt off as if I could fly, uh, hit the ground, and woke up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That
2: was my first
0: lucid dream I ever had. Oh, my
3: God. You're, like, doing it in reverse. Oh, my gosh. That's great. (laughs) Hilarious. I think
1: it's kind (laughs) of wild with what you do as well. Like you you're a guy who spends a lot of time in literally multiple dimensions at once right Mm. i mean you're playing a game streaming at the same time i wonder how that also might influence the way you dream you know what i mean and how you might perceive reality
0: i it has there but not in the way you might think. It really mm-hmm. playing more horror games and playing games in general has like numbed me to horror quite a bit. Which is why I do have to play like Finding Bigfoot with night vision in a completely dark room <laughs> to really start to feel like I'm in it again. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's the way to do it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that is the way to do it. Um but recently like I've had a few times where I uh I've had the only way I can explain it is to call them like geometric dreams or mathematical Whoa. dreams okay. where Like, my perception of reality in my dream kind of, like, goes away from imagery, goes away from sound, and I just, like, all I do is I see shapes, and I just, like, all these, like, it's... It's just so uncomfortable, it feels terrible it, it but not in the way a nightmare is like scary. It just like feels like my mind is melting, like someone just like hit me with l s d or something, and just like my mm. brain is like turning inside out for several times, and when I wake up from these, it disturbs me a lot more than nightmares ever do. I'll, I'll wake up and I'll look in the crack of, like, the window and I'll see just a strip of light from outside. And there would just be letters, like, flying at full speed there. And I'm like, oh, God, what the frick is this about?
1: Wait, what so, do you mean letters flying at full speed? Letters. We're right? with you. I literally, just... I
0: can't, I couldn't uh, imagine just, like, there was, like, uh, all, every letter in the alphabet just flying changing rapidly as fast as it could in, wow. in the little strip of the window
3: mark like do not wow. start writing those down <laughs> <laughs> is that bad is that yes. bad okay, no uh, bad. you know it, you're you're talking about like hypnagogia like seeing shapes in, in 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 reality like it makes you wonder are we living in a simulation and are you you're seeing through the cracks you know philip k dick famous author of uh, science fiction novels and and scripts like blade runner he had this experience in later in his life where he was seeing letters and, and words and they were just coming to him, uh, you know, because he was just experiencing this thing because, well, it was a culmination of reasons why he experienced this. But that's wild to see like that stuff. It's, it's such an interesting thing how your reality space might be a little different from everybody else's because of what you do.
0: Yeah, maybe. I really have no idea. I I couldn't really draw anything from it that would translate directly. It's been very rare that those occur. Um, And the letters, like I've looked at them before and I've noticed a crazy thing. I have been learning Korean and the letters are predominantly English. But every once in a while, there will be some Korean letters in there. And I'm like, oh, what the hell? So I like I it's it's just like a bizarre thing. I would chalk it up to like some mental thing, uh, <laughs> like r- like the linguistic part of my brain, like quickly cycling through, trying to like restock memory or something like that. Totally. But who knows? Like, it's I, like you're getting a it.
1: glimpse at your own heads up display. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like your brain's <laughs> interface in a weird way. Yeah, I don't know. Be. I don't it don't know. sounds like you those geometric met- patterns, you know, that that sounds really psychedelic. That also sounds like, from what I've heard, but haven't experienced like D, like DMT, that that yeah. stuff will happen. Mm-hmm. I definitely have had like in deep states of sleep, I'll start seeing swirling geometric patterns. Almost like yeah, they're dude. moving, they're they're like they themselves are wrapping around larger geometric patterns. It's like when I close my eyes, when I wake up in the middle of the night. So I've always kind of wondered if like DMT, which is in our brains, maybe that's like flushing a little bit, like you're getting a little dose from your own brain and you're just getting these really vivid visuals in the middle
3: of the night. Dude, let me tell you, ge- geometry is the language of, of the universe, right? The Fibonacci sequence, seeing how nature builds upon matter. It's in these swirling geometric patterns. You know, this is sort of how our universe is constructed. And, and sometimes when you're seeing that, you're really, you're, you're sort of getting a glimpse at how our rea- how we perceive our reality. And it's built upon layer upon layer upon million, million, millions, millions of layers of these geometric patterns, which create our reality that we see. Yeah, and forgive me for my ignorance. What is DMT exactly? I think it's dimethyltryptamine, and it and it's found. Uh, I think this it it's found. It, we make it within inside our body, our organs, and and a lot of sort of uh, ancient mystical religions feel that that this. Well, and researchers like Rick Strassman believe that this is the chemical that induces these altered states of consciousness where you're encountering alien entities. Uh, People smoke it, people, Rick Strassman did an actually government study of it injecting it into uh, volunteers nonetheless, but they call it the spirit molecule. And the reason they call it that is because the ancient Egyptians felt that, like Michael was saying, sometimes we can control the secretion of this pineal gland and by doing so we can enter that sort of altered state of conscious. In other words, we can lift the veil, and we do it through this chemical that we all have inherent in our body. Hmm. That is fascinating. Yeah, it's
1: found in a lot of plants and animals, and uh, you know, people will take it as a hallucinogenic drug. It's
3: the active ingredient in ayahuasca. Gotcha. It's
1: naturally occurring as well. That's right. Um. Right. On on that note, let's take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna play "Bullshit or Believe It" with Markiplier. Okay all right we're back mark we have a game that we like to play with all of our guests uh we've got a little bit of a preview of this um i'm gonna go down a list of phenomena rapid fire style and if you're Mm -hmm. open to it you're gonna say believe it if you're not open to it you're gonna say bullshit if you're somewhere on the fence you gotta pick one side we can always circle back and unpack. One of these things. Okay. This is a game that we call bullshit or believe it. All right, Mark. Yes. On your mark, get set. Uh Uh-huh. Ghosts. Bullshit. Bigfoot. Hmm.
0: Right now, bullshit. Aliens.
1: Believe it. The Bermuda Triangle. Bullshit. Parallel dimensions. Bullshit. Psychic vampires. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> what is Spon- that? They're, they're like people who like drain, mentally drain your energy and your uh uh have you ever seen uh what we do in the shadows? Oh, you just talk about, <laughs> oh, about shitty friends?
2: Yeah, shitty friends. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. that's oh, I basically that. another <laughs> word for shitty <laughs> friends. Believe yeah yeah. <laughs>
1: Spontaneous combustion bullshit astral projection bullshit Ouija boards Bullshit. Alien abduction. Bullshit. Dog man.
0: Dog man?
1: Yeah, he's like Sasquatch, but he's canine. Yeah, I believe that. I love it. Nice. Mothman. See, it,
0: man, the thing is, like, I don't know what definition, like, to adhere to these cryptid creatures, because it could well, be however fucking However you
1: want to define them, and we can come back and talk about Mothman if you want to, but however, however you want to interpret it. Uh, bullshit,
2: but sheep. Cool story,
1: <laughs> sheep squatch. <laughs> what? Yeah, sheep Again, squatch. Yeah, he's a bigfoot with a <laughs> sheep's head. Yeah, I believe it. Sure, ritual. I love it. Ritual magic, <laughs> ritual
0: magic like uh, Wiccans, that kind of yeah. Thing? Any yeah. of that
1: stuff like the occult sciences. Bullshit. Levitation. Bullshit. The healing power of crystals bullshit we're living in a simulation possible
0: i say bullshit though it's I, I would give it credence but i have to say bullshit the government
1: is hiding the truth about elvis
0: about elvis specifically
1: yeah that he's still alive
0: so why would they why would they care bullshit <laughs> alien, human care. <laughs> alien human hybrids alien human hybrids yeah uh god, that would like lead down the path. Like, do aliens want like are aliens as horny as humans are? In that every <laughs> science fiction thing, humans are fucking aliens. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say
1: believe it, but humans fucked first. Like they're they're the ones that made them. <laughs> We're the sexual aggressors. Going back to the whole chimpanzee thing, yeah. This all makes sense. Mm. Uh miracles.
0: Uh is this miracles in the sense of Really incredible qu- things that can't just be coincidental. Sure, miracles.
1: sure. However, you want to interpret it. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, bullshit. Reincarnation.
0: God, who knows? I don't know. I love like because
1: I, I, I feel like we're breaking I, you now. Right now, we're it, so close. It, to it. <laughs> yeah. You're we're almost done. Hang in yeah. there,
0: Mark. You're so close. Uh, it's it's tough because it's like there there's there's no real way to know and it's like it ties into karma and all this stuff but who fucking knows i don't mm-hmm. know i'll i have to say bullshit but just because i'm in a place where i don't know destiny destiny
1: mm-hmm. bullshit life after death bullshit all right. Nice. Good well job, done. Mark. Great job. Well Great job. I really like how you stuck to your guns. I really like how you said bullshit to everything, basically, except Dog Man and Sheep Squatch.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Dude, our work is
1: done. <laughs> 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 I feel like you're like, yeah, they sound fun. Believe it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, hey, if it's fun,
0: it could work. Yeah. I could that's how it.
1: this stuff works, man. I promise <laughs> you. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so, what, where, uh, you mentioned at the top of the show, no ghosts for you no ghosts yeah no. what do you think ghosts are
0: what do i think ghosts are
1: yeah when people are like oh this house is haunted or we see like an image of a fuzzy you know spectral image moving through or like things move on their own accord do you think that's bullshit or do you think that there's some sort of explanation behind that phenomenon
0: uh there's you there's almost always like a technical explanation however the the physiological phenomena a feeling uh that that sensation that something is watching you that something is un un like not normal in a place you are and you feel like those cold drafts and you feel like a presence and like things happen all around you yeah I I, I believe that you feel those things and can feel those things because humans like they like what I was saying before they need to establish a sense of normalcy and when you go into a place it clearly you have been told that this place is haunted or you see like so many people have seen things even if you're a skeptic you walk in there you're going to be creeped out it's why people love horror movies you know it's like because we all feel that same feeling It's a feedback loop of like getting in your own head. The worst things in horror movies, the most scary things are things that you imagine it's not things that you've seen your mind is your worst enemy that dmt might also pump with adrenaline because it causes you to like try to analyze everything in there and try to like break down the patterns of the walls and like the darkness um you're desperately trying to see something in there because you're on the lookout for threats so of course your your object recognition system in your brain might trip up and be like holy shit I did see something and you could convince just like when I wake up from a a dream, like I can still see the things in my dreams. It doesn't mean that I didn't see it, Uh, it, but whether or not it's real is like in question.
1: I've Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I've experienced the same thing. I've I've woken up and seen like lingering phantoms standing next to my bed or at the foot of my bed and they stick around for a little bit longer than I want them to Um, so I get, I get it. And, and, you know, when I talked to my therapist about it, I was like, I think I'm hallucinating, but it's also tough because it feels very supernatural when it's happening. It feels Mm -hmm. like something outside of me is looking at me.
0: Yeah. The thing is for me, I would love for it to be real that's mm. what that's my thing whenever i have these dreams or like uh like an experience like this i would love for it to be real i've reached this point in my life where i'm kind of like with open arms being like if this is like you're actually a ghost and you are here and hostile and you're gonna kill me like i'm gonna go down fighting and i'm gonna i'm not gonna run away from <laughs> you let's see, let's throw down let's see what happens this come is a on, good way on, to <laughs> bitch let's go yeah, this is a good way to <laughs>
1: series finale this shit let's do it yeah no if i
0: gotta go out and i gotta go out to ghost. I'm gonna leave some residue. That's what I'm gonna do. Oh,
3: I just see a little like Ghost Boy picking up his ball and going, "I don't want to play now." <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gee, Mister, I just want a dad.
3: Yeah, <laughs> find another one. <laughs> 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 what?
1: What scares you? What's the thing that scares you? You said you're getting desensitized to horror stuff. What scares you
3: the most, Mark? Ocean. Ooh. Mm. Period. Oh, yeah, dude
0: ocean what about it
3: oh yeah good right what about the ocean
0: okay so anything about being in the ocean about going in the ocean me physically being in the ocean i could watch videos of people in the ocean no problem Mm -hmm. i went out on a fishing boat just a couple years ago um we were doing a video out there, we were fishing, deep sea fishing. I couldn't get near the edge of the boat. I can't deal with the thought. We did a video where we were, we were close to the shore and we did a video where we got in the ocean. I, if I can't see what's beneath me, I can't deal with that. It's, it's crippling. Like I cannot bring myself as even pools in pools, like any kind of depth of pool, there's sharks underneath it. it my brain mm. can't get away from it. It's just there, and I will be eaten as soon as I stop looking.
2: So it's it's yeah. that thought of, like, what you, the the unknown. This is, is not the vastness of it itself, but it's the that there's a predator underneath that you can't see. That's like Absolutely. where the fear stems. Yeah, 100%.
0: And it's probably the same thing that relates to people seeing ghosts and things. Is like it's that fear of the unknown. It is. And it, it does still get me. It's just in certain places it gets me.
3: It's like the huh. plot line to the Truman Show. It really is. Yeah. Remember, he Wait, was afraid I of water. Say, I really oh, thought you were going to say it's a it. line to deep no.
1: water, and instead you said Truman Show.
3: <laughs> well, I just watched Truman Show. Mark's Life is Jim Carrey's in Truman Show. Uh-huh, uh, that's no, wild. Don't tell me that. No, 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 no. A, no. I, it's a great movie. Don't tell him. Don't tell him, Bryce. <laughs> you, she's not Jeez. supposed to point out. Uh, oh (laughs) Oh, never
1: mind never mind um so ghost uh no you know what you know what i thought of when you were talking about that mark is like i get i have this weird thing where you know sometimes in like national geographic or sometimes it'll pop up on like instagram there will be like a bird's eye like a drone shot of like someone in a little rowboat and underneath them there's like a whale swimming under the boat Mm, Oh, yes that whenever i see one of those photos it makes me dizzy and Uh, A little scared. Oh,
0: my God. (laughs) No. Yeah. It's the ocean is so full of nightmares. It's not a place for humans to be. I'm not even talking about sharks. I'm talking about like anything, anything down there. Giant squids. You give me jellyfish that are the size of cars. Like, uh, I can't deal with it.
3: (laughs) We've been discussing lately that a lot of these reported uh, UFOs or UAPs are coming from the ocean.
0: Uh, I've heard of that. Yeah, I've heard some of that. Be a good hiding place for them if they were to pick a spot. Of course, no one's That's looking. That's what at the we ocean.
3: think.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you'll be happy to know, Mark, that the story that we're going to get into for this week's installment of High Strangeness has nothing to do with the ocean. We're just going to be in the woods <laughs> where you know how to protect yourself because we've seen you do it.
3: We've seen you okay, do it. Sure. Yeah. Get right, a bear sure.
1: trap. Get some meat. Get a get a car battery. Get a gas can. Set yourself a bi- a Bigfoot trap. Okay. Mm. Okay. All right.
2: Here we um, go. All
1: set. I'm curious. Now, you've played the video games, mm-hmm. but when someone says Bigfoot, what do you picture in your in your mind?
0: I see something about probably like nine feet tall, very large, hairy, kind of a primate-type creature, but bipedal um, with... Deep-set eyes, a brow ridge like a cliff's edge, hands like meat hooks, each finger the size of my arm, ready to crush my skull with a single squeeze. I love it. I That's hope I you
1: think. were drawing this as you were describing it, because I think no, it was a perfect Without picture. looking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, God,
0: what's on my desk?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <a> <laughs> Well, stories of hairy giants crossing paths with European settlers, explorers, and trappers in the Pacific Northwest and British Columbia have existed since the U.S. expanded into the West. Indigenous tales of hairy apes and wild men in the woods predate those stories by hundreds of years. However... You might be surprised to learn, Mark, that the term Bigfoot did not enter the lexicon until 1958, and up to that point, the term Sasquatch had not yet been in print. Interesting. Strange to say, even though legends of this mysterious cryptid's ilk have been around forever, Bigfoot and Sasquatch as we know him today, or them, I should say, since they're probably more than one, are really only about 67 years old. So that's like the age of a young hip granddad. That's like a that's a yeah. Brooklyn hipster granddad.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> in I, this I, there's thing, another. Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry. No, no,
1: I don't. No, no, to no, interrupt. no, go. no, please. No, anytime. You jump in anytime you want to.
0: Oh, thank you. I, I just remembered something that um, I, I talked to someone about with the whole Bigfoot and like the Yeti thing and Sasquatch in general. Uh, what do you guys think about the idea that what people think as Bigfoot was actually just let's say hunters and trappers back in the day encountering a full-size grizzly bear that stood Mm. up on his hind legs Mm. and then other people in different areas ran into a full-size polar bear which not a lot of people know is bigger than a grizzly bear they are absolutely enormous and also stand up on their hind legs um and i'd love to answer that oh yes
3: please Okay, I could do this very simply. We're calling most down the of our, thunder
1: here, Mark, so get ready yeah, to be struck by lightning. Most, I'm just you
3: know. most, oh, no. m- most of the credible Bigfoot reports come from experienced hunters in the woods who are looking down the barrel of their scope constantly. They know bear habitat. They know bear behavior. And some of the most chilling accounts of Bigfoot encounters are when they see these creatures face to face, sometimes only 10 feet away, but through the scope of their rifle, let's say 100 feet away, when they zoom in on that face, oftentimes it's reported they cannot pull the trigger Because the face looks so human that it's looking back at them, and they would feel that if they pulled that trigger, it would be considered manslaughter. So these reports come in the hundreds, and and I would say to you, it's not misidentification of a bear. And yes, I'll give you that. Bears can walk on their hind legs, but bears can't pick up rocks and 10-gallon barrel drums and throw them across a ravine. Uh, (laughs) Oh, really angry bear might an uh, angry bear might but but I would say that you know a lot of these credible reports come from people who know the difference
0: okay that's fair I appreciate that
1: well <laughs> in this segment of high strangeness we are going to trace sasquatch's steps back to the moment where he was branded bigfoot and a little tale I like to call bigfoot begins And I'm sorry to say this isn't a story about a little hairy boy whose parents are murdered outside of a movie theater. (laughs) 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 Although that would be fun. It would be nice. Bigfoot, if you're out there, we could use your help. The cities are overrun with crime. Um, Is Bigfoot listening to this podcast right now? Hopefully, yeah. (laughs) Bigfoot has an internet connection. That's He's telepathic in some stories, so maybe he can just, you know... Logging to Wi-Fi somehow. Uh, Bigfoot's origins began with lumberjacks and loggers in Northern California in the years following World War II. Up to that point, stories of giant wild men were being passed around. But instead of pestering logging camps, the creatures tended to harass miners and prospectors. This was the case with Fred Beck and his crew, a group of miners who were allegedly attacked by a pack of Sasquatch-like entities in their cabin one night near Mount St. Helens in 1924. While the story was widely reported and later became known as the Ape Canyon Incident, and the canyon was even renamed in the story's honor, no one knew what to call the creatures in 1924, so they were just called apes or hairy
3: devils. Yeah, that's right. This fits your sort of bad Bigfoot narrative, Mark, because, and you know what, and and it also fits humans are the real monsters because it was Fred Beck who fired at the creature first, who was just really watching them mine this mine. And he reports this large, like nine foot tall, upright standing creature just watching them. And he decided to pick up his rifle and fucking shoot at it. And all hell ensued because there wasn't just one there was a few of them and later that night in their cabin these creatures came back and tried to reach for them and strangle them uh they harassed them all night within their cabin it was like uh, basically like a home shootout like you played on that fucking video game only this was reported (laughs) by like four experienced uh miners and it it ended up in the newspaper and it kind of went viral before that was a thing
0: Crazy. That's that's crazy. And I have a question that kind of like brings up about this. Do Native Americans have stories about these types of creatures? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Worse than yes. that.
3: They kidnapping, Uh, you know, children, women, men. Yes, there are Native legends abound all throughout the world about these creatures uh, causing harm if they are not treated with the respect they are garnered.
1: And they uh, and of course, like any culture, they're different to every tribes. But this idea of like sometimes they're like humans that have turned feral in the woods. Sometimes they are apes and they were just um, a primary source for the story. Two of them actually Bigfoot, uh, the life and times of a legend by Joshua Blobus, and Evergreen Ape by David Norman Lewis and in, in Evergreen Ape. They talk about how like certain indigenous tribes along the coast In Northern California didn't fucking go into the woods because they were like, Yeah, you we live we catch fish, we live by the by the ocean. This whole idea of like the white settler who wants to go off the grid, which we'll talk about and live in the woods, is crazy because there are things that are gonna kill you in the woods. Like nature is indifferent. It will fuck you up. And in some of these stories, they're like, Yeah, and there are apes that live in there. This isn't a big deal. We know all about the apes, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So And, and there are different names for them in different uh, cultures and in different tribes. But there there's there are bases, especially in the Pacific Northwest, for these entities living up there. Um, if you oh. want to hear more about uh, listeners uh, Attack at Ape Canyon, uh, check out BCC uh, number 78, episode 78 with Paul James. There's a lot of stuff in there about that um also common as we talked about in the late 19th and early 20th centuries were reported stories of white men who would ditch modern society and go off the grid living in the woods and going feral one of the most famous wild men was a guy named john torno the wild man of wainucci washington who started vanishing in the woods as early as age nine for weeks at a time as an adult the 65 250 pound turno left the logging industry and went out into the forest to live off the land. And he wanted to be left alone, like seriously left alone. He used to warn others, I'll kill anyone who comes after me, these are my woods. In September, in September 1911, while stealing a cow from his sister's farm in the Olympic Peninsula, Turno's two young nephews mistook him for a bear there you go. So sometimes people, sometimes people think wild men are bears, uh, and they fired their rifles at their uncle. Torno, well known to be a deadly shot, returned fire and killed both of his nephews, not realizing who, who they were. He covered their bodies in moss in the yard, went inside and informed their mother of their deaths, raided her kitchen, and then went back into the woods where he continued a killing spree that would claim a rumored eleven lives.
3: He, what? Was hungry. he was hungies what?
1: Yeah this guy was And he's kind of like considered a folk hero Up in Washington Because he was like fuck it I'm living alone And he turned into an outlaw Because people wanted to go capture him After these boys were killed And he just started picking off law enforcement in the woods Did he leave a note Was Was the mom not there yeah, like, sorry, I stole your beans.
0: Also, your kids are dead. She she yes.
1: heard it was nighttime and her boys had not come home and she was worried. And she was in bed and heard rummaging around in her kitchen. And she knew that her brother was this like wild man. And she went into the kitchen and she saw him rummaging around taking food from her cabinets. And he was like covered in hair his hair was all long there were like bugs in his hair he smelled disgusting like all the things that you would describe a bigfoot you know and again he's a big guy he's like six foot five 250 pounds and she looked she took one look at him and she was like where are the boys and he turned to her so sad and he was like i didn't know who they were and then he he left that's all he said he didn't say. I'm sorry. He was just like and then she found the bodies in the front yard covered in moss and leaves. He'd left the bodies Jeez. for her. Fucked oh. up. Yeah. God, that's, so, that's messed up. Yeah, super super messed up. So stories about the wild man Torno spread. How he'd kill in order to be left alone and moved around, and there were rumors that he moved around unseen by swinging from branch to branch in the trees. Torno was eventually after a long manhunt, shot and killed by uh, a deputy named Quimby, law enforcement. And when they recovered his body and brought it back to civilization, the coroner remarked that the body was pure muscle and bone with shoulders like that of a gorilla and leathered palms and feet. If Harry Devils of the Woods didn't exist, Torno would have made a very good substitute. Bigfoot arrived in the late 1950s, as America was finally getting comfortable after the events of World War II. By that point, stories of wild men like Torno and the last surviving indigenous tribes of the Pacific Northwest, and miners being attacked by mountain devils were legends of the distant past. But the legends were reborn on the morning of August 27, 1958, when a logging encampment populated by 30 or so loggers uh, were uh, uh, you know, on their site near Bluff Creek, California, not too far from Willow Creek, found that their site had been turned over and trampled upon overnight. A cat skinner, that's the name for a small bulldozer driver, that's kind of a fun uh, vocabulary word of the week. Uh, good word. by the Yeah, good word. By the name of Jerry Crew, discovered massive human-like footprints set deep in the earth around the camp crew a good christian man whose religious views would eventually shape his perception of what bigfoot was more on that in a moment ran to the site's foreman wally shorty wallace and pointed out the prince wondering if they had been pranked the prince coupled with the fact that heavy equipment had been tipped over and large drums and a 700 pound tire had been tossed into a gully ignited debate among the workers that some kind of thing had vandalized their camp Maybe it was a warning. And uh, say, weren't there similar stories of large man-like prints found on another Wallace site a few weeks back up near Mad River? And hadn't someone else heard that there were strange tracks seen recently up by the coast in Trinidad? Shorty mentioned that the previous summer, a 450-pound drum of diesel fuel had gone missing. It, too, had been discovered at the bottom of a gully, and there were large prints in that instance as well. Over the next few months, the workers gave a name to their oversized vandal, Bigfoot, which was initially spelled as two words. A journalist from the Humboldt Times named Betty Allen, a resident of Willow Creek, interviewed the workers about the barefoot boogeyman, and they traded tales of missing or upturned equipment, vanishing dogs, anything that went sideways on the site. Well, that was surely the work of Bigfoot. In mid-September, a new set of tracks were discovered. Jerry Crew traced the tracks with paper and sent them to a taxidermist from Redding named Bob Titmus. Titmus thought that the traces of the prints lacked too much detail, so he taught Crew how to make a plaster cast, marking the first time such a practice was done to capture Bigfoot prints here in the U.S. The hunt for the elusive wild man was on. The newspapers, already reporting exciting stories of Yeti expeditions in the Himalayas, picked up on the notion that America might have its very own abominable snowman. Another journalist who followed the emergence of Bigfoot in Northern California was Andrew Gonzoli of the Humboldt Times, who we can credit for condensing Bigfoot into Bigfoot. Gonzoli and Betty Allen worked together to deliver all the Bigfoot news worthy for print.
3: Gonzoli reported, the men are convinced that they are being watched. However, they believe it is not unfriendly watching. Nearly every new piece of work finds tracks on it the next morning, as if the thing had a supervisory interest in the project.
1: So this is just like a hot fun, well, late summer starring Bigfoot. This guy's just like showing up on this crew site, just hanging around, knocking over equipment.
2: I like the idea of him being supervisory. Like he's just like a, like a construction foreman that just sort of like drinks like lukewarm coffee and paces.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's just a teamster.
3: <laughs> Here's a little context. That was a new logging road. So imagine like paving your way into virgin timber for the first time. And Bigfoot lives there and he's going, Hey, get the fuck off my land.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shorty's brother and business partner Ray had gotten involved in the mystery and estimated that the new set of tracks measured a stride's length about two feet apart and at a walking pace and then a ten feet berth at higher speeds when the creature might have been running. Titmiss, a taxidermist who had been out on the site as well, didn't see the rationale for the tracks being a prank, but no one knew what this thing was exactly. Maybe they were made, Mark, by a large wild man like modern-day John Tornow a human living in the woods. And in fact, they they even went so far as to say maybe it's like some large kind of uh mentally challenged guy just hanging out in the woods. Like they weren't super kind about it.
0: <laughs> they actually said that that it could have been that.
1: Yeah, there were there were stories of a uh, of a Native American boy that had gone missing in the woods and some people thought oh we thought this this young boy may have died but maybe he's still living out in the woods and the stories had been that he had been not, like that he had been differently abled in some, in some way, so there were like all uh-huh. these like you know, kind of cruel rumors about what. No one was saying this is an ape. No one was saying really that this was like a Bigfoot creature because they were just like, this has got to be some like big, strong human. And you, you're going to hear of what some of the theories are in a moment, and some of them are pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Titmuss wrote or said, "Are the tracks a human uh, of human origin, or are they the actual marks of a huge but harmless wild man traveling through the wilderness?" Can the tracks be some legendary sized animal? Thanks in part to the popularity of Eric Shipton's discovery of Yeti prints in the Himalayas, which were featured prominently in the press at the time, Bigfoot became a national celebrity. Theories swirled around as to what type of being was responsible. It was a bear, it was a wild man, it was a prankster, maybe an ape. One laughable theory is that the tracks were the footprints of a big-footed Swedish lumberjack who was running amok in the woods. That's my favorite one. (laughs) The one guy was like, you know, Swedes are pretty big. I worked with a pretty big Swedish lumberjack. It it could be him. (laughs) Other theories look to the stories of the Lemurians, an ancient race of people that were said to live underneath Mount Shasta to the southeast maybe the tracks were left behind some sort of ancient lemurian master of mystic arts and sciences then in october there was a sighting a man named george smith was driving down bluff creek road when he spotted an eight foot broad-shouldered hairy monster lumbering out of the woods smith was terrified didn't leave his car but he remained skeptical after seeing this thing, saying that the fur in the creature sagged like a poorly tailored suit, leading him to think it had just been a man in a gorilla costume. I mean, I don't know what sort of guy would just be out in the woods in a gorilla costume, but, you know, I think he he was like, this is weird. I, I don't think this is what this could be. Yeah. Jerry Crew, remember, he was a religious man, uh, the cat Skinner. He eventually developed a theory that Bigfoot was sent by god to challenge secular science proving that bigfoot this wild man this offshoot of human evolution was real could prove to the world that god was real and man and science were fallible since it challenged everything they knew up to that point about anthropology the native (laughs) hoopa indian tales spoke of and they were they were the indigenous tribe of the area they spoke of creek devils beings that inhabited the area for centuries and these stories included a legend of a cave inhabited by a large-footed tribe sometimes the large and hairy smelly creatures were referred to as oma which might have been part material and part spirit creature the story of Bigfoot caught the attention of a very important figure in Bigfoot lore, author and investigator John Green, who had been up in British Columbia investigating mysterious tracks found there one year earlier. Tracks that Green felt were represented, representative of a legendary creature he'd come to learn about, Sasquatch. Green had basically gotten a 12-month jump on the budding Sasquatch phenomena up in Canada, and when he first heard about Bigfoot down in California, he thought that some prankster was ripping off his work. So he jumped in the car, drove down to Bluff Creek to take a look at the tracks for himself. He had this to say about what he found when he arrived in California.
3: Looking at them was quite an experience. I realized that in spite of having taken a 2,000-mile trip just to see them for myself, Deep down, I had never expected that there'd be anything to see. Fortunately, my wife was with me. She might not have found it to be so understanding over the years had she not seen the tracks herself.
1: And I want to touch upon exactly what Green thought was so compelling about these tracks. But I think there's an important lesson here, which is, Bryce, you need to take your wife on your Bigfoot expeditions with you. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I can't even get her to watch my show, let alone uh, go on a Bigfoot expedition with me.
1: Maybe that's how she gets you to finally respect what you do. Just show her some of these (laughs) friends.
3: (laughs) I'll work on it.
1: Yeah, great. The thing that Blue Green's mind was that the tracks that they, they'd found down there on Bluff Creek Road were eerily similar to tracks that had been seen in Ruby Creek up in Canada 17 years earlier. Check out BCC episode 148, the Ruby Creek incident with uh, Expedition Bigfoot's Russell Accord for more on that. So how would anyone know to fake tracks that looked exactly like tracks that were found almost 20 years prior? Plus, they were so deeply impressed in the Earth, indicating that it would take the weight of more than just a tall, heavy-set man to make them. Then, there was the evidence of a split or doubled ball of the foot, which was nothing like a flat-footed human. Green spoke to the humble times marrying the legends of Sasquatch and this new Bigfoot into one, and he said that, in fact, they were one in the same species." As the 50s drew to a close, activity in and around Bluff Creek died down, and the humble times moved on to news stories. But Bigfoot remained and was now officially a member of the Sasquatch species. Titmus and Green would go on to be major figures in the search for proof, but Green had very little doubt about the creature's existence. In the foreword to his seminal book, Sasquatch, The Apes Among Us, Green cites this quote from anthropologist Dr. John Napier. One is forced to conclude that a man-like life form of gigantic proportions is living at the present time in the wild areas of the northwestern United States and British Columbia. If I have given the impression that this conclusion is, to me, profoundly disturbing, then I have made my point. That such a creature should be alive and kicking in our midst, unrecognized and unclassifiable, is a profound blow to the credibility of modern anthropology. Maybe there's some truth to the idea crew had that Bigfoot exists to challenge our perception of what we know and what we think we know. Or maybe, like John Tornow, Bigfoot just wants to be left alone. Regardless, at only 67 years into seriously investigating the phenomenon and no solid proof yet found, sorry Bryce, the legend of Bigfoot is still, in my humble opinion, in its beginning. And there you go, Mark, Bigfoot, bullshit or believe it?
0: Mmm, interesting. Are you asking me that question? Mhm. Yeah, I mean, what do you think
1: the going back to the very beginning and just knowing that it was some activity around this logging camp that ignited the whole phenomenon. What do you think?
0: I I believe that it's it's uh there are enough experiences where they've seen something of a similar description that what probably most people understand as Bigfoot is not really the the reality of what there is. But there is definitely credence to there have being something, something that was tangible, something that was a threat, whether it's that guy, what was his name? The one that killed the two kids. John Torn. But, but I mean, that was but back it,
1: in 1911. But yeah, I mean, I mean it could, even it been so, a wall, like yeah.
0: stories get passed down. And it's like, mm-hmm. if that happened once, if something happened once in human history, it has never been a singular incident. In my brain, right. there's never mm-hmm. been one case where a six foot five dude found it that he loved being in the woods and in the wild. I bet that's happened before. And th- that's in the last almost 100 years in, the, in human history. That has to have happened hundreds of times throughout history of some big dude or big lady going out into the woods. And also like um I didn't even ask you guys opinion on uh what the thought of like uh the 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 species of ape called gigantopithecus. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah I'm sure you guys know about that, which is like the largest ape that ever existed. Yep. And the reconstruction of it looks a lot like what we think of as Bigfoot. Oh yeah. It's like mm-hmm. and and that existed, they said up to like uh three hundred and fifty thousand years ago. But who's to say that's where that died out? You know. Yeah, totally. Why yeah. would we have cuz we've found species to this day that we thought were extinct in the ocean just recently. That was actually a like within a year or two discovery they were like, "Oh, hey, this creature that we thought was extinct a million years ago" Uh, there it is. That's weird. The giant anyway. squid. Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just like, and so who's to say that this couldn't exist? I I would highly doubt that in did, today's like technological field that it's still out there. It's either like not still out there, or it's so good at hiding, or the woods are so dense that it's just it's very good at being like, okay, humans bad. Like most things, humans are the worst things out there. There's a whole subreddit dedicated to like this. It's called Humanity Fuck Yeah. And it's this idea that humans are terrifying. They're the <laughs> monsters, and aliens are looking at humans, they're going, like, what the what the <laughs> fuck? Holy yeah. shit! Look at these things! <laughs> are you seeing this? Are you seeing this shit? Yeah, it's like this idea that humans are actually the scary ones. And I would believe it because again, that guy was the most terrifying thing. Imagine that in your living room, sweaty, blood on the face, wiping off the blood of your kids on your can of beans is going like, I didn't know who they were. (laughs) I'd see you never, and then walks out your door. That's terrifying. That's scarier than anything I've ever heard. So, yes, I would believe Bigfoot. That is is not hardly the least credible thing about any of this. Yeah. (laughs) Love it.
1: I love it. I know. It's great. It's crazy. I just love the idea, too, that this idea, this romantic idea of, like, running off in the woods and living off the grid is like, no, man, nature's going to fuck you up. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, all, there were yeah. all these stories of of wild men around that time that were European settlers or, you know, um, guys that had come over from the East Coast and every... Either or every one of them was like gunned down in the woods, like John Torno couldn't hack it, crawled back to society. Um, it's 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 wild, you know. So I, w- I don't know.
3: I, I I want a chance to weigh in here. And Mark, I look li- listen. I like both these theories of of this idea that they could be people who have gone into the woods as maybe an initiation or something. This is done in shamanic tribes. They send uh, their medicine man off to the woods for a certain amount of time to come back and bring knowledge from the forest. It could be that. But this mm-hmm. makes up a small pale, uh, a pale amount of the accounts uh, that people are reporting. And I like this idea of the gigantopithecus, and maybe it's slipped by our untrained eye, and yes, what you said, I do believe these creatures are shy, intelligent, and, and they're aware of us as soon as we enter the forest perimeter. And yes, there is so much fucking forest down there that did you know that the, uh, the FAA has reported over 70 lost craft just in Kings National Canyon Forest alone since wow. World War II? So the forest swallows things. Whole. Oh no. Yes. The forest oh, yeah. is yes.
1: like the ocean. I'm so sorry, no. Mark. I didn't mean it to is, take you there. Is.
3: But I want to say I I don't think this thing is is man because if you look at one of the most famous pieces of evidence and I'm talking about the Patterson Gimlin film of 1967. Have you ever watched that film, Mark? The one where he's kind of like loping in the background and looks yeah, back at the camera. Yeah, it's actually a, a it, yeah, it's a she because if you look closer to that video, she has these. She has these phrase she has these pendulous breasts and they call her Patty named after Roger Patterson who discovered her. So this is a female Sasquatch. And if you look closely, the legs on that thing are shorter and it has a longer torso, more like one of the great apes. And I look at this creature and I see the toes flexing up when it moves. It's 16 inch heel. And I look at it, look back at that film with those two, Uh, wrote those two guys there filming this creature and then it walks off into the woods that's two witnesses who saw the same thing who never changed their story uh, for the remainder of their lives they also went back and cast those tracks about 10 or more so of perfectly good plaster casts which is another piece of evidence and not only that you have the fucking film to look at that's three pieces of evidence when Put together in a contextual story, it paints a picture that there's a monster walking in the Pacific Northwest that we are told is not supposed to be there. But I say it is there. All right. I, fan, I find that compelling. I did not know about the pendulous
0: breasts. That, we're, as funny as it sounds and as much as I laughed, I'm kind of like, Huh. That does lead credence. Why would someone make a costume with pendulous
3: breasts? That would not be at the top of any costume list. The costumers all say, the experts, I spoke with them, this is not a costume. They're sure about one thing, that that's an organic biological creature and not a man in a suit.
1: Let me me read you this. Um, This is from this book, Evergreen Ape, about the Patterson-Gimlin film. Uh, They talked to, is it Grover Krantz, Dr. Grover Krantz? Sure. Um because yeah, cause there were there's been rumors, Mark, that like Patterson and Gimlin faked it, that it's someone in the costume. Um, four people have come forward claiming to be the one in the suit but none of them have been able to produce it or provide any proof that they even knew Roger Patterson and I guess Roger Patterson the guy who was filming this a lot of people are like he couldn't put something like this together you know Um, Dr. Krantz who knew Patterson well I'm quoting from the book wrote in my judgment of his character Patterson might have tried to fake a film of this kind if he had the ability to do so also if he had the ability to do so also in my judgment he had nowhere near the knowledge or facilities to do so, nor for that matter had anyone else. When the Disney executive Ken Peterson viewed the film in 1969, he confirmed that even Disney would not be able to duplicate it. Gordon Valiant, the head research scientist for Nike, also confirmed that the thing in the footage did not walk like a human and he specialized in human locomotion. Um, many biologists were quick to debunk it, but as Dr. Krantz pointed out, most of the debunkers also bragged that they'd never seen any of the footage. Um, so, and that, that was all in Bluff Creek where this story and the origin of Bigfoot, uh, Bigfoot, the term Bigfoot comes from.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I am no expert in video analysis, so I can make no claims in the favor or Neither against this. <laughs> and so, in, in that aspect, I will just say the arguments are compelling, and really the pendulous breasts are the main driving evidence here because, yeah. legitimately, why a costumer, if they were trying to fake this, would never think just because it's a very male centric thing as a bunch yeah, well, of that's dudes right. Talking soccer, think, that's right. Why would any male like partnership think to make the Bigfoot faking a female. That's right. And
3: Mark, when you go, but your homework now is to go look at that film again. (laughs) And and Mark, look at the breasts, watch the toes, watch the toes move up when it walks, watch her Mm -hmm. face when she looks back at you. And more importantly, watch that fucking bull neck on the back of her neck and that tuft of hair raise up when she looks at Bob Gimlin with which he's about to raise his rifle. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, they had a gun when they were filming? Oh, yeah. He did. Bob Gimlin did. He never raised it at her, but she gave him a look that Roger Patterson described as, you know that look that you get from an umpire when he says, one more time and you're out of here. That was the look that that creature gave to both those men.
0: Interesting.
3: Well, this this is fascinating.
0: And and again, like it could be the uh, I I love the idea. Usually, things that are biological in origin, I'm more inclined to give it like some credence. The giant, mm-hmm. either Gigantopithecus or some offshoot of that. Who's to say that that ape species didn't die out and an even bigger one, like mm-hmm. was their and like their offspring? Uh, it's entirely possible. I'm I'm so uh, about it because have you guys ever seen like the map uh, of uh, disappearances in national parks and an yes. overlaid with the cave. We're gonna have
1: to have a whole other mm-hmm. episode now with what Bryce is about to drop on your head. Oh,
3: Careful yeah. what yeah, you go yeah 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 we're 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 <laughs> we're aware and it's, uh, missing persons at an, an astronomical rate is on our radar. Who's mm. taking these people in our forests? Yeah, or what oh, is taking oh, these what?
1: people? And why can't you find oh. the bones? Mm, because bones
0: are tasty. You boil them into bone broth.
1: That's right. That's right. What's wrong, Bones? It's you know what? I think it sounds like we have another club scout convert. Welcome to the clubhouse, I my friend. So. <laughs> <laughs> we push <laughs> that foot belief needle a little there. bit. You know what I mean. <laughs> Sorry. I, I,
0: I was already, like, in the camp. If you go back to my uh, bullshit or what was the other
2: option? Believe it. Yeah. Believe it. Believe it or bullshit? I b- yeah, big you big gave fort, sheep believe foot? it.
0: Yeah. I gave you
1: yeah. a sheep, sheep, Bigfoot. Sheep,
0: yeah. sheep, yeah. What was it?
2: Dog, Bigfoot. Yeah. You Dog, said, but foot.
1: you, you also said it. right now Bigfoot is bullshit. So I'm just, we're, we're getting you a I, little. It's not be, our jobs oh, to, to convince you, i We're excited. moving the
3: needle. We're moving I, the needle. I, I, I think oh, it's because,
1: like,
0: not, not you guys' analysis of Bigfoot, but just because, like, the common uh, way of thinking about Bigfoot is, is bullshit. However, yeah. the scientific backing of it, of, like, an actual species that was that large, I think it's it would be stupid enough to think that it couldn't be possible, especially considering we have physiological evidence of like molars from the species it clearly existed they have bones that they've recovered of a giant ape and when reconstructed wow would you know that it looks just like the bigfoot that everyone talks about it's like that can't be a
1: coincidence Hey right, guys, well I know when to quit when we're ahead. Let's just That's stop it. it right here. <laughs> Let's get out Mark, of here. Shit, markiplier. Thank you so yeah. much for joining us on this episode. Um, where can people follow you, find your work, uh, tell everybody what they need to know? And if you have anything coming up you want to plug, please plug away.
0: I mean, you know, they 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 markiplier everywhere. My podcast is distractable. Go my favorite sports team. We talk about random crap in sports. That's about it. No, no need to worry. They should follow this podcast. They should be loyal listeners here. All right. Well, (laughs)
3: there you go. He said it guys.
1: Uh, We love it. All right. Well, thank you, Mark so much for being on the show and we'll, uh, we hope to have you back one day.
3: Yeah, Mark, seriously, man, we appreciate the hell out of you, man. Thank you. Uh, Of course. Happy to be here. This was a fun talk.
1: All right, everybody, if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast app. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we might read it on the air like this one.
2: Holly Bolly B writes, dude, spelled D-E-W-D. This podcast has me in stitches. I've recently stumbled upon this from Monsters Among Us, and I just can't get enough. The chemistry and hilarity are unrivaled. Incredibly entertaining, paranormal fun. My passion was listening to first-person paranormal accounts. However, I have to say that BCC has now taken the lead. Thanks, boys. Ooh. Five stars.
1: Nice. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Sorry, Bali. Derek Hayes. You're still a great podcast. It's still a great show. That's that's the paranormal show that I listen to. So It's a great show. Yeah. Um, well, this episode is coming to an end, but there's a lot more BCC waiting for you on our Patreon, BCC The Other Side, a five-monthly Dollar pledge get wait a minute what a five dollar monthly pledge unlocks three is. exclusive bonus episodes every month plus grants you access to the entire patreon archives you can find that over at patreon.com slash bigfoot collectors club
3: and you know what else write to us with your own paranormal stories at bigfoot collectors club at gmail.com follow us on instagram at bigfoot collectors club and on twitter at bigfoot pod
1: Follow me on Instagram at McMills, and I also host another podcast about the trials and travails of Hollywood called Slate Your Name. The whole season, uh, first season you can check out right now on your favorite podcast app. If you like our theme music by the band Sun Eaters, they have a new album coming out Friday, September 23rd called Absinthe Makes the Heart Grow Fingers. We're fans of them, so you can find out more info about that new release at lotuspool.com.
3: Follow me on Instagram at Mr. Bryce Johnson and Twitter at Bryce O. Johnson and hit me up on Cameo. And to learn more about the Patterson-Gimlin film footage, listen to my incredible talk with film expert and creature effects artist Bill Munns on Expedition Bigfoot, Season 3, Episode 13, A Massive Discovery, available on Discovery+. Plus.
2: And you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at PeaceDrone uh and there's a link tree near th- there that uh is links to a bunch of my bands that i play in uh, things i've directed uh just work i've done um so you can check that out and hit me up there if you want also if you do join the patreon maybe consider the ultra terrestrial tier which is where i drop the scores from the show like this one that you just heard and um basically dropping like full-length ambient albums over there it's nine bucks a month <laughs> as opposed Hell to yeah. the five bucks a month You can trip out on that stuff for hours.
1: Do it. Uh, That's it for this week. Thanks, boys. Huge thanks to Mark for joining us. We are heading over to the other side right now to watch some creepy eyewitness videos that Bryce has selected for us to judge. Uh,
3: Until next time, good night. No, no, no. Not to judge. We don't judge. Well, you know, to be like,
1: what do we think it is?
3: Oh, yeah. We judge. Okay. We absorb. We
1: absorb. (laughs) We we comment.
3: And don't forget. Yeah. Oh Yeah, I ruined our tag. Great. Really no, great. great. You got it. We're still waiting. I rating. screwed it's like, it's it up. It's like the, the you high five what? is in the air. Set, me set me up again. Set me up again. Set me up again.
1: Until next time, good night.
3: And go get regressed.